Hello and welcome back to the Lisa McHugh podcast. If you've ever wondered what it's like to tour around the world with a family of comedians and just have an absolute ball, then go no further because that's what I bring you today. He's originally from Dublin, but now technically a Donegal man. Here's the story behind Danny O'Carroll. So, Danny O'Carroll, you are a producer and actor, best known for portraying the breakout character Buster Brown, Buster Brady, <laughs> who is the son, who's <laughs> the son of Agnes Brown on stage and in the BBC and RTE television sitcom Mrs. Brown's Boys. You were born in October '83, and your parents are Brendan and Doreen. So, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Doug. Nice to be here. That's about it now. I think I should head on now, should I? (laughs) You you got it all out. (laughs) Listen, I don't know if you've heard any of the other um, episodes that we've done, but basically the story is, or the theme of the podcast is just to get a bit more of the background and the story behind yourself and each guest. Um, So you were born in Dublin. And as I mentioned, you're the son of Brendan O'Carroll, who plays Agnes Brown in the series. You're the brother of Fiona, who plays Maria on the show, and the nephew of Ailish, who plays Winnie, and also the stepson of Jennifer Gibney, who plays Kathy in the show. So it's very clear to see that the show is not only based around the storyline of an Irish family, it actually is an Irish family. And I, I would love to talk to you more about that later on in the chat, but for now, take me back to growing up in Dublin. What was life like for you? Growing up, I grew up in uh, in Ashbourne, just outside Dublin, in uh, Mead, um, and I had a great upbringing. Um, what was life like? I had a gr- I really enjoyed uh, life back in Ashbourne. Uh, everybody asked me about my dad. What was he like? Was he funny at home? Or uh, hang on, sorry. We'll get this done yet, won't we? I am so sorry. <laughs> that okay. is dreadful. Paddy, who plays Dermot in the show, was calling me and I was trying to decline it and I actually accepted it by accident. <laughs> sorry. You're okay, you're grand. So we can keep, so everyone... you don't have to go back through all that again, do you? No, 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 no you're fine, great. you're fine. Cool, and take two. Yeah, so growing up in Ashbourne um, was great. I had a great upbringing. Everybody always used to ask me, like, what was it like growing up with your dad as a comedian? And... Um, Life was it was normal for me as far as I was concerned. Um, mm-hmm. My dad would sit down and do my homework with me. Yeah, he was funny, but he was a real dad. He's dad's he's the best in the world. He 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 worked his arse off to give us everything that 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 we wanted, and uh, he, yeah. he was always like that. Um, I don't know. I think we were, we were never rich or anything like that when we were um, when I was young. But yeah. did, I did I didn't feel poor. If that made any yeah. sense, um, it's sort of. Uh, dad like did whatever he could to to make us happy yeah, I think yeah he was a great great dad my mom was fantastic my mom was a fingers girl um and she never left fingers really she was a, she, still a fingers girl um she never really liked the whole fame and uh that went with dad's image mm-hmm. 
And I think that's what happened between them. They end up, uh, mom, dad wanted to go one way and mom didn't really want to go that way. So yeah, I think it just wasn't for her. Yeah, and it's understandable. Listen, everybody deserves to be happy. And yeah. uh, you're not going to go do something you don't want to do, are you? So. Exactly, exactly. And I know I've mentioned um, Fiona, who yeah. is also in the show. Um, you also have another brother, Eric. I don't believe I've seen on screen. What role yeah. did he take? Eric's like the he's like that Osborne that never gets seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he Eric's there's nine years of a gap between me and Eric, so Eric's nine years younger than me. Um, so when I was out gigging and doing doing shows, Eric was still mm -hmm. at home um, doing his school and stuff. So he never really got to tour the 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 hard touring that we did. Eric came into it when we started doing arenas and stuff. So um, he actually works behind the stage and he runs the production end of it but all the he directs all the joint screens and uh he's more he loves being behind the camera oh cool which is great he's, he's into the tech side of things yeah then. exactly yeah so it's handy to have one of them in the family isn't it <laughs> we're not all pointing to be on in the screen <laughs> It's good to have somebody behind the screen too, as you say. Um, your mum and dad also had another son, Brendan. Um, he was actually their first son. Yes. And he, he devastatingly passed away just a few days old uh, with spina bifida in 1976. And in another interview, your dad openly said that the grief from this um, it almost killed him, which I'm sure any parent who's who's gone through something similar can definitely relate to. So do you think that from this traumatic experience that your mum and dad went through before you came along, that when you were born, they were very protective of you or overprotective? Do you think? Uh, my sister, my sister's older than me. So she was, uh, she was the model. She still is the model child. She was uh, yeah, dressed up to the nines. She was so looked after. I was the middle child and we just were the ones that bang our heads and <laughs> mum and dad don't really care too much about it, you know, but he'd be grand. <laughs> But Fiona was very, very precious, and uh, you can tell today uh, she still, she still is. But uh, she, she's Fiona's a great girl. Um, yeah. But she was uh, treated like a little model when she was a, uh, a baby, and I'd be running around the, the back room with muck all over me and that type of way. <laughs> you, but, yeah, you definitely. Would be grand, they would have, yeah, I was grand. Yeah, yeah, he'd be grand. Look after her now. Watch her. <laughs> <laughs> so bringing it back to school days then for you, were you, did you enjoy going to school? Was it academic, um, academically I, enjoyable for you? I liked the social end of it. I hate the school end of it. I, me mm. and school, yeah, we didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't get mixed too well. I didn't, I didn't like school at all, to be honest. I left school after my junior cert and I went working with my dad straight away on the road. Yeah. Um, I found out I was dyslexic after my junior cert too. So okay. I, was, I was delighted. <laughs> I'm not that stupid after all happy days yeah. um, so uh, yeah after I just, fifth year I think I skipped transition year went into fifth year did a little bit of fifth year and then I started getting roles in movies and just ashes and stuff so I missed loads of uh, school and I decided I didn't really want to go back yeah. um, I wanted to continue I was earning money and I wanted to continue on acting so I decided well, I wanted to leave school was the dyslexia in school something that you know, I know you've said that you... Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't know about school. it. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. I didn't know about it when I was at school. Um, but it made sense after I found out. When I got all the tests done and everything, uh, I, it made sense that, that I was dyslexic. Um, mm -hmm. Even today, my writing, my spelling is absolutely atrocious. I'm terrified. It's one of the things that gets me when people look for an autograph is when, can you make it out to Jacinta? I'm like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, what am I going to have a big scribble? And I panic, yeah. I just panic. So I try and... Uh, 
try and get to them before they can even ask can you make it out I have my name written they give back to them <laughs> straight away so uh, yeah but it stops the panic uh, mode when I'm yeah, doing the autographs but yeah, yeah the, but otherwise I'm grand I get a script I'm lucky enough that um, my dad's the writer so I get a script a couple of hours before everybody else and I can have a quick scan through it and uh, read it before we go into the readings and uh, before we do an episode so uh, everybody understands there's yeah. Lexi as well so it's a, yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's no problem for me at all yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, and my son just up. My son's dyslexic, and uh, he's adorable. He thinks there's something wrong with him now. And uh, like, I have to explain that my dad's dyslexic as well. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to explain to him, like, Dad, uh, your granddad, he's written four bestseller, five bestseller books. Like, there's nothing you can't do. Absolutely. Like, um, my it dog won't is, stop you in life. My dog is begging to get in the door here, Lisa. Can I just let him in quickly? Oh, you're okay. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> now, sorry about that. You're okay. So you mentioned there your dad and bringing scripts to you and things. When was it, or do you remember the first time where you were introduced to your dad's career as an actor? Well, I was doing acting before I went uh, on, before I did, I did movies, before I did stage. Um, and dad was long uh, touring with, with a show before I even joined so there was mm -hmm. other characters in playing there was a character in playing my cousin actually was playing Buster and I loved the character so much I really did love it um, yeah. and uh, I got a little walk on part one night as a plumber it was just literally walks on fits a toilet and walks off type of thing Yeah. Um, and I think it was 16 17 maybe somewhere around there that was my first stage appearance mm -hmm. but that I worked behind I came on my first role when I came on was uh, stage management so I had to learn everybody's job before Dad let me go on, on stage. So I had okay. to do, I had to build all the sets and um, I did lights and sound and I did everything before I was allowed to walk on stage because Dad always said that you need to learn everybody's job because they're the people that make you look good type of thing. So um, he made you work for it then. Yeah, it makes you it makes you understand the work that goes into making us look good, um, yeah. which is probably a good thing as well. Absolutely, yeah. All the things that goes on behind. I the hate scenes. it though. I hate it. <laughs> Actually, only stopped. I only stopped. Well, I think we were series of we were just starting series two, of Mrs. Brown on BBC, and it was getting a, a little bit embarrassing turning up to arenas to build a set. And um, myself, Grandad, the guy who plays Grandad Dermot, and yeah. Paddy who plays uh, Dermot in the show, yes. uh, Pepsi who plays Mark. Uh, we all built a set. Doctor Flynn, uh, Derek Redden. We all came in and we, we were the ones that. And the crew people that were there used to be looking at us going, what the hell are you, are you guys putting the sets up? Yeah, I was going to say. We had to stop. We had to stop. It just didn't look very professional. And I was I was, I was, was raging, of course. Delighted I was. <laughs> hated it. <laughs> I hated it. The you want to go straight back to it. Oh, see, get in and get out. Oh, man. Everybody's in the pub and I'm there doing it. Uh, oh. <laughs> I hated it every minute. You know, you know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that part of it is not enjoyable, no, but no, people don't no, no. even people don't even think of that. And I'm sure that people would have been watching the show would never on their wildest dreams thought, oh, you guys have all built the set. Absolutely I, not. Who knows? I don't know, but we did. And well, it was. It I've been doing it since I was sixteen. His... Yeah, I've been doing it since I was sixteen, so I didn't stop. I'm thirty, coming thirty. What am I? Am thirty eight? Coming. I'm doing like I stopped when I was about thirty years of age. You know. Yeah. Just, when did your first um, interest come from then with acting? Was it from watching your dad, do you think? Or yeah, did you have, I think a, so. have, have an interest yourself? 
I think so. Yeah, I think that. Uh, but that wasn't. Yeah. What age was I when that? That. I didn't realize how. Uh, how can I explain this? So dad's like every other dad for me. Um, yeah. Growing up, like I, I, my brother is a better example to use. But dad was always on TV. And my brother used to think that uh, everybody's dad was on TV. So if the kid across the road told my brother, my little brother, that his his dad was a fireman, Eric would think straight away that it was the fireman he seen on the TV yesterday watching that show. That type of thing, you know. Eric just wow. thought everybody was on TV. Um, yeah. So Eric grew up like that. I grew up, I came into the, dad got into fame when I was about, I think it was about 10, 11, when he went on the Late Late Show, when it was the Late Late Show back then uh, with Gabe yeah. And it was like overnight. I remember uh, the next day going to Janelle Shopping uh, Centre and dad was just bombarded with people wanting to shake his hand and getting autographs and just the, the Late Late just absolutely made him huge. So. I didn't really understand. I loved it that that was so mm-hmm. popular, but I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Like, what what is this? Um, yeah, that's happening. Uh, so I sort of grew up then with dad being away a lot and uh, seeing him on TV and doing little bits and bobs. So yeah, I idolised them. I mm-hmm. absolutely idolised them, and definitely looking back um, at his career. Um, when I was growing up, it definitely put me in the right right place there, where I knew I wanted to go on TV. Um, you mentioned there that you you obviously kind of grew up before when you were growing up. Your dad wasn't necessarily as famous as he was before the Late Late Show. No, um, to in your eyes, but he was still playing the role on stage. You know, doing the the Mrs. Brown's playing Agnes. He wasn't Brown. doing Mrs. He wasn't doing Mrs. Brown back then. Back then, he was Brendan O'Carroll, the dirty comedian. Um, oh, okay. Doing the, doing the stand-up, so that when he went to the Late Late Show, he was the, he was stand-up comedian. Um, he was a stand-up. Yeah. So, so when so did Mrs. Where did Mrs. Brown's Mrs. Brown come, come from? into? Uh, but Mrs. Brown didn't start till well after that. Uh, Dad toured everywhere with the stand-up for a few years, and uh, yeah. I think it must have been probably '96, probably '97. He started off with Mrs. Brown on radio uh, for Two FM. It was like a little five-minute slot that they used to do. Uh, he used to write little uh, five-minute scripts and go and yeah. record it in the studio, and then they did like a story. And it got so big that people were changing their lunch breaks to the time when the uh, Mrs. Brown thing was on, on the radio. So it was huge. So Dad sort of went on to something here, and he decided to write a play then. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we, had these, we toured with that, them shows for years. Yeah, Years. I remember and actually then, going to see one of the shows. I went to the the show in the, the pavilion in Glasgow. All right, yeah, but we lived in family. the pavilion. Yeah, that, that's, that it, was our like, that was our bread and butter. The pavilion, like we we'd be there every three months in the pavilion. It was amazing, and when I say like we were in hysterics, we had tears rolling down our faces because we'd never seen a show, you know, with such humour that we could relate to like my my parents and my family are all Irish even though we were born um, myself and my sister and my two brothers were born in Glasgow and, and yeah. raised there we still have very much an Irish background so to hear the humour and the, the things that these were all saying and things on stage it was yeah. absolutely hilarious and, and I remember us buying the DVD and taking it home and it was the the one where um the old, old, Dino, old ones. Uh-huh, and it was like, do you know, you're, um, 
Agnes is trying to teach Dino where to reach into the ground. You have to reach forward, oh, right, reach yeah. forward. It was one of the very first ones. And I say we must have watched that about 10 <laughs> times over in one night. It was hilarious. But do you think, like, that was something I always wondered, you know, do you think that people with an Irish background or people who are Irish relate to the humour a lot more? Or do you think it's just no, worldwide? No, it's, it's, it's worldwide. It's what we're getting. Yeah. Uh, all our tours, like all over the world, does a Mrs. Brown in every household, it looks like. Yeah. Um, or does a character that people can relate to, whether it's Rory mm-hmm. or Dino or even Buster. Um, people can relate to them characters, uh, growing up with them characters. Uh, so it travels, lucky for us, it travels all over the world. America's begging for us, so we're hoping... I mean, America's a whole new adventure for us so uh, yeah. we're hoping after all this mayhem's over um, it'll be a nice place to go and maybe have a pop and see how we get on but uh, Australia yeah. and uh, the UK and Canada and uh, yeah, we, we, they love us thank God yeah, it's, it's amazing massive, massive to see what it, what it has become you know it's, it's absolutely huge all over the world there's, there's nobody more shocked than us Lisa <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing it for years, and then just like overnight, a producer came in from BBC and said, "Do you want to put it on TV?" Dad's heard it a thousand times. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." And bang, next minute we're doing a pilot for the BBC, and um, it just it just took off. We like we're still amazed by it. Still very very humble by it. It's just amazing feeling. Yeah, I'm delighted for Dad. Success. He's worked so bloody hard. He's worked his arse off for years mm-hmm. and years, and he's been knocked down so many times. But he just keeps getting back up, and this time it just came back tenfold. Like it just came back so much more that he he so deserves every every bit of success that he's getting. And um, I'm so mm-hmm. happy for him, and he deserves it. He's been amazing for everybody. He's such a great boss, a great dad, a great friend. Yeah, it must be an amazing thing for for all of you to celebrate as as a family. Uh, yeah. it's, it's very seldom that you can you know enjoy success with with your own family members. Yeah, it was. It's pretty. It is pretty cool. And I think Dad enjoyed it more than anything else. As much as Dad's baby, he loved celebrating with everybody, and still does. Still, mm-hmm. still is like overjoyed by everything. And um, yeah, so, yeah, everybody's doing so well over. Thank God. Uh, talking of, of roles that you've had, now I know you've been in Angela's Ashes and, and a few other films before um, Mrs. Brown's Boys. You're also um, going from your social media, you're very much a family orientated man. You know, yes. you show like pictures and videos of your wife, Amanda, who is absolutely stunning. And she's also in Mrs. She's, Brown's she Boys. She played Betty in the show, yeah. Oh, listen, and, we're all and in your two boys, your two boys two... are now in the show as well. Yeah, my my eldest boy is fifteen coming out. He started when he was five, um. So he's been playing Mrs. Brown's grandson Bono in the show since he was five yeah. years of age. Yeah, so everybody's in it. My son, just the youngest son, Blake, he just came into it. I think it was three years ago on the Christmas episode. He came in as my son, Buster's son, that Buster didn't know anything about, and his name is Blister. Blister. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does he think of him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know that you um, <clears throat> have, you've spoke openly, you know, yourself and Amanda have been married for years. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's no secret that whenever you first got together, 
you met in Letterkenny, um, mm-hmm. in a bar in Letterkenny, and you just instantly hit it off to the point where you moved into Amanda's mum's house two weeks later. Yeah. And you bought your first house together then six or seven months after that. So clearly, you were both very sure well, it was a real deal, even though it was <laughs> such a short space of time. I was sure. I'm not too sure about horror, but I was sure. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was very, very... Everything happened very, very quick. Didn't feel like it at the time. But when you yeah. look back, you go, oh, wow, if if my sons did that, I'd be going, whoa, calm down, come back. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. At the time, it just felt right. It just felt. I don't know. I just. I didn't want to go home. I just wanted to be here with her all the time. And, um, yeah. After seven months, I think we bought our house. I was nineteen years of age. We bought our first house. Um, and we're coming. My age, Jim. We're fourteen years married now in July. Amazing. I got married so at twenty-three. Clear, it really was. Really was a real deal. Imagine getting married at twenty-three. And it was unheard of these days, isn't no, it? No. And for me, it felt so so normal. Like and nobody said it to me, like you're too young, right? Nobody. Yeah, I was going to say, did anybody have no. reservations? Like, no, I think back, things down a bit. Dad, I think, was a bit shocked when I said I proposed to Amanda, but he was delighted as well. He loves Amanda, so at the same time, he yeah. was he was he was happy for us. But I'm sure in his head, he didn't say it. I'm sure in his head, going, "What are you bloody doing?" <laughs> but um, yeah, nobody said anything to me, and I just thought it was so normal. And uh, yeah, for, it was the best thing I think I ever did. Yeah, and then you you welcomed your your first um your first son, Jamie. and yes, Jamie, and you were actually sorry I've skipped ahead there because you were supposed to go to America, um a few weeks after that, but you yeah. decided to cancel. Do you think it was a case of, um, that the job that you had booked wasn't really that much of a big deal, or that you were just completely swept up in this whirlwind? I I was swept up. Big time, um, yeah, definitely swept up. It was, it, I, I had loads of things going on in my head that that I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay doing what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. It was a chance of going to America, take a pop of really acting out there, and ha- just take a chance on it. It doesn't work out. I was young enough to come home and do something else. Then I, I was looking at joining the Irish Army. Um, Where are you? Uh, yeah, I was looking. At lots, so much stuff I had, and then. Uh, I met Amanda and everything just went out the window and I said, right, this is what I'm doing. So I'll do whatever, whatever it takes now to, to keep, to keep this, keep this girl up my side. So That's I amazing. told everyone that I'm staying in Letterkenny, dad couldn't believe it. Uh, you go, what? You're Letterkenny? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> and I love it up here. I do. I absolutely love it here. I love Donegal. I'm sure yeah. you've seen a lot of Donegal. Donegal's beautiful. So I'd never go back to Dublin. As much as I love everybody down Dublin, I'd never go home. Like, this yeah. is home for me now. It's funny you say that. And, and I, when I first moved over to Ireland, I moved, my mum's from Donegal. And my sister was living in Letterkenny at the time. So I spent the first year and a half of, of living in Ireland in Letterkenny. So I know what you mean. I know, I love Donegal yeah. as well. It's 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 a stunning place. Yeah, I do. I'm I sure it's like a home away from home for you. Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's home home now. <laughs> Home for for many years now. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually you... no I'm actually longer in Donegal than I ever was in Dublin. So. Are I'm you? Nineteen years now. Yeah. Oh, well, you're definitely a Donegal man now. Then. Oh, listen. You can look at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm withered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so you mentioned or you welcomed your first son Jamie uh, when you were 22 and then this was before getting married the following year yeah so Did, we were meant it, to get we were meant to get married um, when I was 22 we, we had all the dating all set and then mm-hmm. Amanda got fucking pregnant Jesus <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm only joking of course Amanda blame got, it on Amanda we got, we got pregnant and uh, yeah we had to put the wedding back a year so but uh, my was, sister jumped in then before us she got married uh, before us and then my dad jumped in before us and he got married to Jenny so we had our own year then that it was our year so it worked out perfect yeah and our son and our son got to come which is great we look back at videos now and we look, look at him he's only he was a week off a year old and Aww. he was gorgeous and his little talks and yeah it all worked out really well and was the um was the arrival of Jamie a bit of a shock to the system or were you familiar with kids um no, I definitely wasn't familiar with kids. Like I had Eric, as I said, when Eric, I was nine years, just going 10 when Eric was born. So, um, But I didn't do any of the baby stuff with Eric. Like, yeah. I was praised if I changed his nappy once, maybe. Um, everybody would thought I was the best. Um, but when Jamie came, oh, I'll tell you a story, actually. Jamie was born at five past, and this is lovely. This is, my best friend's Paddy, who plays Dermot in the show. Yeah. Um, so my Jane was born at four minutes past four in the morning. My dad lives in Florida. My mm-hmm. mom lives in uh, she, she did live in Waterford, and my sister was all down in Dublin. And um, so I had nobody. I was on my own. So we went in and we had the baby. Amanda had an epidural, and there was a little bit of complications. And uh, when Jamie came out, the midwife turned to me and told me that he has a bit of a fight in front of him, and Amanda was a bit out of it and. I, she didn't really pick up on that and it hit yeah. me hard so I came out of the hospital and to ring her family and let them know that the baby's been born and uh, mm-hmm. I was ringing away and uh, I rang her mother and then I rang her sister whatever it was that early. I tried to get through to people and some people couldn't get through to so I was sitting there looking through my phone and I was on my own in this dark dark car park and I looked over and you could just see a little glow in, in a shed of a cigarette yeah. I was seeing somebody was over there, and the next minute I heard Danny. I looked, I said, Yeah. And Paddy came out with the. He drove all the way uh, up to, to Larry Kenny and waited outside till, till he could for get the me news? out. And I just thought, What a friend. I just hugged him and we cried. I was only like 22 years of age. I'm getting even emotional now talking about uh, it now. Don't but, wonder. Uh, the two That's of us. That's gave me goosebumps thinking about he, it. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a gem of a friend. He's, he's me. Oh, the things I would do for that man. But uh, yeah, he was he was there for me, and uh, I got on the phone and told my dad and told everything. But uh, I was in bits about it because I was really afraid. I, I I was all over the place. I remember Jamie came home then, and I couldn't eat. If he was in the same room, I couldn't eat food. I like what? physically physically wanted to throw up if he was there in the room and I was eating food. And I was thinking, this is going to is this going to last forever? Am I going to be like this forever? Well, after two weeks, it was gone. It was just it was pure nerves, terrified. Like was, if, was he asleep in the room and you were afraid of waking him? Yeah, no, he was, was sitting in the chair. He was everything was fine in the hospital. He came out, every everything was fine. Amanda was fine. Um, so after a while, they came out, and uh, he, when he came home, he'd be sleeping in the car seat in, in the sitting room, and I'd be sitting at the counter looking at him, and I just feel physically like I wanted to throw up. I don't know. You just feel like Jesus. If I don't, if I don't work and feed this little thing, it's gonna die. <laughs> It's a lot of pressure to put on a 22-year-old, isn't it? <laughs> That's like, feed this little thing. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So <laughs> that's the way it was when Jamie came home. So after two weeks, that thank God that that went away. But um, yeah, I love kids. I love babies. I love kids. I would have I'd have a million kids. Amanda's happy now the way she is. She's two boys and they're yeah. growing up and they're healthy and she's just happy now. Danny, we got really really good luck now with the two boys we have. Let's not ruin it now. So let's <laughs> go. Okay, all right. And talking of the the two boys, you you have Blake now as well. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, both of the boys and Amanda and yourself, you're all in Mrs. Brown's boys. So, is it a case of you all just run around the house whenever your dad gives you all a new script and you are running around learning your lines, or how does it work with a house full of actors? Um, well, we don't really see each other um, when we're not working. I live in Donegal. My sister lives in Dublin. My ma, our, uh, dad and Jenny live in um, Florida. Paddy lives down in uh, Tara. So we don't see anybody. So we get mm. the scripts. We don't actually don't get a script till we get to Glasgow. We do all our filming in BBC Glasgow um, by choice of dad um, because of the fan base from the v- pavilion. Yeah. Um, that we build up over the years yeah so dad always wanted to give something back so we said yeah BBC Scotland it is we're doing it there so we all get the BBC Scotland for giving the script and we do a read through and then yeah everyone just scurries down to do is to learn as many lines as they can um, you're giving is the script is a lot over. of it then uh, if, if I'm assuming it's not too long before the show you're giving your script is it well we get, we get it on uh we get it on a Monday and we will rehearse, we'll block it out on a Monday. We'll block it out, we'll do a half day on a Tuesday and then all the cameramen and all the crew will come into the, to where we're rehearsing and they'll look at it very roughly of what they yeah. what, what they have to do. On a Wednesday then we go in and we do a tech run. So it's not for us, it's for the camera people so that they know where to be, what stages, what's going on. Um, and then on Thursday we shoot it twice. Um, in front of a live, two live audiences, two different audiences, and we just take the best bits from both shows and it gets edited together. Right. On the day. So in the first show, whenever we do a show at, let's say, half two in the day, yeah, we do it, and if you see what works, what doesn't work, or what did you need to change, or a certain word or a certain way you need to do something, and then you get a second go at it then later on that evening in front of a new audience. So you can okay. get a feel for it on the first show and the second show. It's usually set the full second show that goes out because he right, just okay. start, yeah. he he gets too cocky and starts playing around and sort of your yeah it makes you it keeps you on your toes. You, I was going to say, is there a lot of improvisation then no, for, he, he, from everyone? He's so, no, not everyone. No, everyone else is terrified. He's he's <laughs> if if I if he made a mistake and I tried to do something, make it laugh, he'll turn it around on me as if I made a mistake and make me feel that small. He'd make you cry. He'd make you, he'd physically make you cry in front of a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to get out of there. <laughs> you won't get one up on him anyway? No, 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 he's so quick. He just can't. He's so quick. And all the audience are on his side anyway already. So you haven't got a chance. <laughs> uh, going back to your, as we were talking about there, you're, you're now in Donegal. Is it 19 years? Am I right? 19 years, that? yeah. 19 years. So I'm sure, you know, the, the people of Donegal have, have definitely claimed you as, as one of theirs at this stage, I would imagine. And I would I'm sure hope so. All of them. I hope I'm so. I'm sure all of them. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they absolutely love 
um, having you there as well because of all of your contributions to the community over the years. Actually, um, it has been absolutely amazing. You know, given the fact that you've done several fundraising events in in Donegal in particular, raising funds for autism unit in Lurgy Brack School, uh, the pediatric unit unit in Letterkenny Hospital, and also. Um, for the Brancrana Peer Tragedy in Pieta House. Now, collectively, it's over £90,000, maybe even more, that you've raised in a yes. few years for, for charity. But one story in particular that, that got me was that you actually, yourself, your dad, and your sister Fiona, collectively donated £30,000 to a family in Sligo um, whose son was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And, you know, why was it, do you think, in particular, that that story stood out for you and you just thought, I'm going to have to do something here? Uh, do you know what, Lisa? I don't know. I don't know why it stood out to me. Um, as you can imagine, I'm sure yourself, you get bombarded with people looking to do charity stuff, um, for mm-hmm. you to do something for charity. And, do, and you try and do I hate saying no to it. And I, I used to say yes to everything. And it was a real struggle with uh, me and my my relationship with Amanda that I was giving so much time to everybody else and not enough time to the family mm-hmm. uh, I was doing so much charity stuff and it was just after the, the last event I did in the Mount Errigal, um a woman got in contact with me and told me about her son um, and she was asking me to do could, could I do a charity event for her and, or can I help her with a charity event to raise mm-hmm. money he needed to go over to America to get um, an operation done on his site and I looked through, I tried to look through, do as much research into the whole um, situation as possible. And uh, I was trying to tell her how, like, I was knackered tired. It was literally the next day after after the fundraiser I just did. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to tell her um, as much as I could to help her. And uh, there was nothing I could really do that, to help what she, what, what she wanted me to do. Uh, I couldn't actually, I was away going on tour whenever she was doing an event or something or she wanted to do something. And, so I just rang and asked my dad and asked my sister. I said, listen, there's this girl, this kid that needs an operation in America. And um, I've looked into it and uh, I'd love to donate money. Would you guys go in with me on it? Uh, it's 30000 I need. And my sister and my dad just texted me back, absolutely. Um, so uh-huh. I just sent her on uh, the money into her account. And he was gone over to America, I think, a month later or so after Christmas. That is amazing. You know, I, I mean, you've essentially changed that ch- not only the child's life, but the, the family. I mean, the parents and their their outlook on on what they were probably expecting. I don't know. And listen, it's, I'm sure it was something very, very small um, compared to what needs to be the help that they actually need um, for the rest of their lives, I'd say. Um, but it's something like that we could do that, that I could afford to do. And um, yeah, it was just, listen, it was going to sit in my account. Why not give it to help somebody, you know? Uh, and Dad and Fiona, they're the best ever, like, when it comes to stuff like that. I don't know, they just, uh, Dad just wants to help everybody. Um, yeah. And it's us, it's me pulling, pulls Dad back. Like, I'm I'm generous enough, but I've pulled my dad back. My dad, like, the stuff that we do that people don't know about um, yeah. is pretty incredible, like, but... Um, my dad's just such a generous person and he just wants to 
fix the world and help everybody and you're just dad you can't you can't do all that you need to you need to look after family first at the moment um and it's concentrate on family family first yeah well, it is yeah and I, and I hope I, I obviously i did pick it up often um mm-hmm. because i love doing it and i love helping out as much as i can but i prefer when i can get a community t- together instead of me just handing over uh, a check i'd rather a whole community comes together and um and helps so it's not just me like that that yeah. whole that whole um uh, them fundraisers i did that wasn't me yeah i organized the fundraiser but that was the people at donegal that came together and donated money themselves and mm-hmm. they helped with all that stuff they helped with the pediatric ward they helped with uh, lurgy brack autistic unit it wasn't me it wasn't my money and um, mm-hmm. i was there and i helped and i set it up but it was the people at donegal that done it and yeah they are incredible people up here. They really do come together in situations where um, they just blow me away every time. I I, yeah. I just really I love it up here. I love the people. They're they're amazing up here. I'm sure they they'll be definitely saying the same thing. Um, but listen, Danny, before we we finish up, I wanted to say how has the last year affected your life career wise? Have you had to adapt and and write the show? For example, differently to incorporate what's going on, or in the show or continued? in personal personal life or in the show, in both. The show, yeah, there was obviously there had to be things that had to be changed to, to sort of uh, you couldn't ignore it. You had to yeah. you had to put it in somewhere. The pandemic and uh, but we got away with it. It was weird doing it without an audience. We didn't have a live audience, so that was the first time we ever did it without a live audience. So that was hard for me because it was. I, I sort of feed off an audience. I get my timing from an audience. Um, mm-hmm. Dad's a pro. Dad, Dad nails it. He knows comedy timing. Like he's so so bloody good. I sort of need an audience. And so it was tough that end for me, but it worked out. And, and it came. We got two episodes out this year, and we were absolutely delighted with them. And uh, it all worked out. On a personal level, at home, I. What way am I? I don't know. I, I listen. We're all fed up. Mm-hmm. Of course we are. I miss. I miss having something to look forward to. Yeah. Like this from small little things. Like even my son's football match on a Sunday. There little little set you set yourself little goals. We just get to get mm-hmm. this day over with, and I get the Sunday I get to watch him play. And they're little goals. There's nothing. There's no holiday yeah. that you in June that you think, all right, just get to June, and that's my goal. There's nothing to look forward to, and that's what I find very, very tough. Like, my thing at the minute is snow coming. I, I'm i so hoping the snow comes because it's something different, and we can go out yeah. and we can do something different and play and the kids. And, uh, so that's my hope now at the moment, but it's not guaranteed. But mm-hmm. I'm just sick of having nothing to look forward to. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm doing good. Um Amanda, the kids, everybody's doing great. Amanda's doing our workouts. I watch her. Um, <laughs> you not join in? <laughs> no. <laughs> I put on a stone and a half. And you know what? I loved every minute of it. And I'm still Is loving that... it. Why and not? I'm trying to turn it into a posse that I'm looking forward to getting it off, but not just yet. No. I'm, I'm going to enjoy me. challenging Netflix. enough just now. Yeah. I'm enjoying Netflix. I'm enjoying me Chris three Maltesers at night time. And I'm and I'm not coming out with that bubble for a minute. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll, when I'm ready, I'll come out when I'm ready. But, uh, Enjoy it when you can. Yeah. So besides all that, listen, we're doing great. Um, I struggled back in 2018, 2019 a little bit with mental health. 
so it sort of set me up for a lockdown for this um so i sort of had the i went through a stage where i, I was very very negative everything okay. everything i was thinking was very very negative and i ended up getting help for that and uh, i sort of got the tools was given the tools to to use in, mm-hmm. in a good way to turn turn my thinking my mind uh frame turn it into a positive turn stuff into positive and i sort of use it all the time and it's amazing and i feel so 2019 2020 2021 i've been like brilliant for me um from where I was in my head. I'm actually so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, mental health is obviously a, a topic that's at the forefront of, of everyone's, you know, mm. minds at the minute, but especially um, male mental health and, and how they sometimes would be yeah, a I bit didn't apprehensive and they don't I was, talk about it. I did, and I didn't, and I, and I was one of them people that wouldn't say anything and kept everything to myself, but... Mm-hmm. I just started off very. I was just very, very negative. I had a real bad negative mindset. Um, I started off with I wasn't good enough to be doing my acting. My act, everything wasn't. I was just really bad. I'm not good enough to be where I am. I'm not. And then it moved on to, jeez, um, I'm a, a really bad father. I'm a bad husband. I'm not good enough to be with this family. I shouldn't be here with this family. They they should go and live somewhere else with someone else. And and then it was got to the stage where, I'm just annoying everybody i feel like i'm messing up everybody else's life i'm I'm a burden on everybody and i just felt like this is this is bad i feel like in a bad bad place and yeah. finally amanda if it wasn't for amanda uh, I, i'd be I'd, I'd be bad she noticed it thank god and dragged it out of me mm-hmm. and i went and i got help and uh, yeah talked to people and and I feel great. Like I'm not coming out. I still have. You still have your days. Everybody has days where where they're going to be down. And, but I just yeah. have ways of uh, of doing things that that turns that into everything into a, into a positive, um, which is a f- fucking great way to be. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So everything that you learned then from that time. You're yeah, able to absolutely. bring those tools and, and use them now in everyday life whenever yes. you may be having a bad day or a bad week. You and, and listen, some days, some days you don't want to, some days you just want to have a bad day. You just want to sit, yeah. I don't want to do anything. I just want to have a bad day today. Everybody mm-hmm. mind, I'm just going to have a bad day. Just let everyone know. Yeah. Um, and just, you're allowed that. And I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that. Where I was afraid of it two years ago. I was, I was, yeah, I was very afraid of it two years ago. And I'm not now. I'm very comfortable with it. Um, but I'm... I hope I'm a better person to be around for my wife, because um, I was not. I know I wasn't great back then. Um, I hope I'm a better person to be around for my kids. I am. I bloody am a good person to be around now. I'm really good. You uh, definitely so sound it. Lockdown has been uh, a real uh, good thing for me, I suppose. I'm glad yeah. it happened after I was feeling that bad. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been. Do you it's think been amazing. it had anything? Do you think it had anything to do with the fact of? everything being around you so successful and you being now in the spotlight and well known do you think that had any sort of impact i don't listen if i knew what it was uh, i don't, yeah i'm sure i'm sure that had mm-hmm. i'm sure that had um yeah maybe uh social media was a big one as well mm-hmm. i was looking at, at getting up in the morning looking at followers on twitter and wondering why i lost 10 followers what did i do what did i do what did they not like i've got eighty thousand followers and i'm worried about 10 followers that left you know, and you go, what are you doing, Danny? You stop, stop being like that. And that's the way social media was a really... So I try not to go on social media as much um, mm-hmm. now. Um, saying that in the lockdown, I've been 
YouTube and looking at videos all the time. And but I don't go yeah. in and I don't, I don't interact anymore too, yeah. too much, um, which is which is probably a good thing. But it's that had a big big play, I think, in social media. And yeah, this being successful and, and uh, being in the spotlight definitely would have been up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to be somebody you're not, trying to be somebody that you think everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. trying to be that person that you think that they'd like I'd walk into a room and I could I could be four room full of people and I could be four different people to to different people I, I'd go up to that person look at them and I'd be I start acting the way I think they'd want me to act and um, go to another person and start getting all real proper and, and very posh and trying to act the way mm-hmm. they I think they'd want me to act acting stupid for another guy over in the corner that I think that he wants me to be funny and and I sort of didn't want anybody to see me I was afraid mm-hmm. of anybody seeing me, and now I'm at the stage where you know what I don't give a fuck what people yeah. think. Um, I'm me, and uh, this that's that's like it or lump it. Good luck. Um, well, fair play it, to you. But it took a while to get there, and uh, yeah. it's not a nice place to be. Well, so. I'm I'm delighted that you you chose to to go and you know with the help of of Amanda and and get to where you are today in a mm. much. Uh, so more positive mindset and you know I'm sure that whenever everything coronavirus pandemic and all these things are finally put behind us that everything for yourself and your your family life and your career and your acting um is is going to just go oh you know, wait continue, wait do you see when this is over continue rising oh we're coming back with a bang oh, I can't wait there's plenty of stuff going <laughs> listen Danny thank you so so much for coming on the podcast honestly it's, I'm, I'm honoured to have you on, on the podcast uh, thanks and, for having um, me thanks for your time and for being so honest I, I honestly really really appreciate it and no but I actually I've you... never I've never mentioned anything to anybody so you're the only person I've ever mentioned to so um, well, thank you yeah thank you thank um, you I really appreciate it and listen I wish you nothing but luck and happiness for the future cheers Lisa all the best you too cheers another amazing story and you know what I am so glad that Danny decided to be so open with us and let us know about his recent mental health struggle and if you're someone who is struggling or if you know of someone who might be please reach out to them and let them know that there is always someone there willing to listen and I am so grateful for you once again listening to the podcast and I hope to see you soon take care